years. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all who fear him, and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen. Now Noah can lead us in singing.
but the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, and for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. Have you tasted the goodness of God? Have you experienced his love and provision in your lives. It's an amazing thing. Last week was, was such an exciting um, time for us here, uh, worshiping together and Thanksgiving. Is that last week already? Thanksgiving? Yeah, it flies. But just hearing from so many different people of the, the blessings of God in their lives and, and, and the things that He had done for them. And, and as I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about all of the ways that I have tasted of the goodness of God, of seeing His hand in my life. I go back to, to a time of seeing probably one of the, the most significant moments, first significant moments, where I saw God's protection, physical protection on me. I was working at a summer camp and they got there early um, and was helping uh, get ready for the horse program. And so I was traveling around with a horse trailer, picking up horses from some of the farmers to bring them to the camp and we look after them for the summer. And went to uh, this one farm uh, that had a beautiful quarter horse, line back then, gorgeous coloring, uh, an amazing uh, stride. I love this horse. And uh, they had two other horses as well as that we were picking up. And this young gilding and uh, another uh, young mare that were there would never go into the trailer without this little Shetland, old Shetland pony. Unless she went in first, they would never go in. So we led in this little Shetland pony first, and then the other two came in the back and we started driving to the camp. Um, over a gravel road that had just had some fresh gravel on it, so it was very loose, and uh, started going down into a ravine. And suddenly, I was I was young, didn't know it, and didn't realize that with the trailer packed the way it was, with the two larger horses in the back and the smaller horse up front, it, it weighted the trailer poorly, and uh, got into some loose gravel, and all of a sudden. That trailer started swinging and swinging as we're going down a hill. I knew enough not to put on the brakes, um, so just took off, foot, my foot off, foot off the accelerator, 
and just tried to ride it out and, and I could see the trailer and the truck, the trailer would come and I could see it right there beside me and then we'd be going the other way. And it was of course going downhill into a ravine so the, the ditches were steep um, and, and all kinds of opportunity for trouble. I had a, a young lady and a little girl that were traveling in the truck with me and I was just trying to ride it out and I suddenly we just stopped. I didn't have my foot on the brake, I wasn't gearing down, I was just coasting with with my foot off the accelerator, we were still headed downhill. But it was like an angel around the back end of that trailer. And dug in his heels and we just stopped. And I that was the first time in my life, and there have been many other times, of seeing the divine protection of God in my life, tasting his goodness in my life. When I was in college, I had this opportunity of seeing God's miraculous healing. The first time in life where it was so clear, so undeniable that the, the, the divine hand had come and touched. There was a group of, of students that would meet in the chapel on a regular basis for prayer. Um, wasn't anything organized, just this, it had kind of burst out of some of the, the Lord's working in some, some of the students' hearts, and, and we were gathering together and praying, and one of the young ladies that was there uh, had been born with, without some parts in one of her ears, so that she could not hear. It wasn't like her ear had gotten damaged or something. There was, I don't know if it was the eardrum or the cochlea or whatever, but something was missing from within her ear to be able to hear. She couldn't even have a hearing aid because the parts that would make, would take the, the, the message from the hearing aid weren't there. She could hear on the other side, everything was fine, but this one side. While we were there praying, one of the, one of the young men felt God moving to pray for this young lady. We all gathered around her and started praying for her. And as we were sitting there praying, suddenly her head comes up. And she could hear out of the ear that was missing the parts. It's not like God had fixed something that was broken. While we were sitting there in the chapel, God had divinely created those parts that were missing so that she could hear Undeniable, undeniable, miraculous healing from God. I have experienced, tasted the goodness of God in His leading and guiding. In the work that I do with Power to Change, where I'm online connecting with people who are hurting, who are looking for answers to life, and, and, and we share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and invite them into a conversation with somebody online, a mentor who can uh, talk with them and guide them and, and, and oftentimes be in a long-term relationship with this person online, uh, helping them discover the, the, the goodness of God in their lives. And time and time again, having, having God lead that conversation in a way that 
I had every plan, but but using that to, to move in somebody else's heart to give them a chance to taste the goodness. I, I had just a couple of weeks ago, there was one uh, lady who, who popped up on one of our websites and uh, wrote into the comment section of the, the website was, the article was entitled, um, I, I, I love God, but I, I, I want to know Jesus, but I don't know how. Um, so it, it definitely has a spiritual component to it. And often we have people there that are wrestling, that have grown up in the church, but have never really understood what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this lady uh, poured out her heart of just this desperation that she she knew that, that, that she believed in God. She knew that that's what she wanted, but, but had never tasted the goodness of God and never felt that for herself. And, and she wrote some, some things in there talking about uh, great disappointment and, and, and heartache and feeling like God didn't love her. And um, I responded to that and uh, pointed her to some, some of the great promises that we have in Scripture of, of Jesus saying, never will I leave you, never will I pursue you. Um, that, that God is there drawing us uh, into a relationship with himself. Um, and all it takes is, is, is that, that faith that you are expressing of, I want to, but I don't know how. That I want to is the faith that God uses to draw us into a relationship with him. And then, take out a little prayer. And she, I, I, I guess, I typed up the prayer um, and then sent it and kind of forgot about it. It was one of those places where you don't always necessarily come back all the time until somebody responds. And then and she didn't respond. And, and it was um, three months went by. And then she posted this message. Um, she said, thank you. I haven't honestly read your prayer or comment until now. It has been three months since I typed that first message. I've been doing a lot of repenting and still some sinning. I feel like I might not ever get things right. But anyways, I really appreciate your prayer. During these really lonely times of mine, it's very nice to know someone out there once said the working of the Spirit to put the words that this lady needed here, not even at the moment of when she wrote it, but three months later, that the, the Spirit would work and bring that to her mind, and, and in that moment, provide what she needed to know. God loves her. God has a plan. Tasting the goodness of God as parents. I don't know, maybe weeping over your children as they face things that you wish they didn't have to face, as they make choices that you wish they would not make. Putting you in the face. Lord, I just feel so helpless. And all you can do is just 
cry no anger. And the quietness to be in that place to have the presence of God come comfort and say, I got them. Yesterday we had a friend go over and she just poured out her heart. It was a, a spontaneous dropping from somebody out of town. And, uh, and we just got to talking and she just all of this stuff that their kids were going through. And to know that God has those memories. We can trust Him. His faithfulness. Even when things don't make sense, if they're not working up the way that we to know that God is this is the goodness of God. And as you taste that goodness of God, how, how can you not then put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander? How can you not put aside all of those things that would get in the way of experiencing that fellowship with him? Peter is, is coming out of these, these mind-blowing truths of who God is. And I love that quote that he, that he gives us from, from Isaiah. All flesh is like grass and all the glory like flower and grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. We live in a world that is full of disappointment. Things don't go right. All around us we see deterioration and destruction. Oh, where? In the midst of all of our uncertainty and chaos, the goodness of God is there. And, and as he's talking about this wonderful God, he then says, so don't let stuff get in the way. If you have tasted the goodness of God, if you have experienced his blessing, his provision, his protection, his discernment, his caring, his comfort in your life. Put aside all of that stuff that would get in the way. I'm struck with the, the centrality that Peter has here on community, on relationships. Just in, in in uh, chapter 1 and verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Of all of the things that he could have pointed out, the sincere truth to worship and honor God, to sincere truth to proclaim the, 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 the wondrous message of Jesus Christ, that a sincere truth to, to live a holy and pure life. All of those things he could have said. What did he point out? I mean, a sincere brother in love. You look at all of these things that we are to put away in verse 1 of chapter 2. All of them have to do with relationship. Malice and deceit. 
Those things that we would say that undermine truth in other people's lives. Hypocrisy, envy, slander. All of these things have to do with relationship. We then continue on and he talks about how we are being built up into a spiritual house. It's, this is connection that we have with one another. That we are a, a royal priesthood. That's not an individual thing. That is, it is community together. That we as the body of Christ have this world. Peter's letter is so much about loving one another. Community together as a church. And it, it makes sense because we know that these people were experiencing great persecution. They were, uh, the, the, the trials that, that they were facing, the, the problems and the, the, the attacks that they were receiving from their community were ramping up more and more. There was more governmental, official persecution that was happening in the lives of these Christians. How important that is to have fellowship with other believers when you're facing that kind of attack. You hear that from, from the, the, the persecuted church right around the world. One of the, one of the great things that I loved about my seminary education when I was at Act Seminary at uh, Trinity Western University um, was the, the large number of English uh, or uh, uh, foreign students, English as a second language students, I was studying with with people, the uh, other uh, uh, pastors that were preparing for the ministry from China, from Japan, from Vietnam, from uh, from all over the world in India, Pakistan, and to be able to to hear from these men and women of the, the struggles that they face in their in their hometowns and in, in the places where they grew up. The, the hardship that there was for, for being a Christian in that area. It, it, it made me realize we have no idea what persecution is all about. But they talked about the importance of connecting together, of being in relationship, of having when, when your when your family is is the the target right now to be able to have the support of your brothers and sisters to be able to 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 provide food for you to to provide a safe place for your kids when when somebody is thrown in jail to know that that the rest of the family is being cared for by the rest of the body of believers. I think we are starting to get a little bit more of an understanding of what it means, the importance of connecting together, of being in that community, of having brothers and sisters in Christ that, that we can join arms with shoulder to shoulder through the difficulties, through the challenges. And that's going to be the case more and more. And for Peter, it's, it's such a crucial thing that they are aware of those, those sins that get in the way of community, that, that destroy community from inside out. 
the deceit, the envy, the gossip, all of those kinds of things that just wreck him. The other thing that, I, that I'm finding as we go through Peter's writings here, the importance of God's sovereign destiny for his chosen people. It's, it's all throughout this whole letter, right? We see the, the positives right from the very beginning, uh, right from the very opening. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. That they are chosen, that they have been handpicked by the Father, but they are living in exile. They are living far from where their true home is. And, and he keeps on coming back to that time and time again, this whole assurance that, that the things that they are experiencing now are not a surprise for God. But this is all part of His plan and purpose. In verse, uh, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit and obedience in Jesus Christ, they were chosen because God knew them. Before the world ever created, before the world was ever founded, God had chosen you, his people. Can't wrap my head around all of that and how that all works, and yet he comes back to it time and time again. Verse 20. Chapter 1 it says, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake. Speaking of Jesus again, before the world was even created, God planned for Jesus to be our rescue, our Savior. And he had chosen us in him. This passage has the flip side of that, which isn't as comfortable. But we can't ignore it. The, the choosing of the elect of, of these exiles that God had chosen to be his people, the flip side of that is that there are also God, those that God has not. Chosen. And what he writes here in the in verse 8, talking about the stumbling stone, the rock of offense. He says, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined. That's, that's hard. And, and, and I don't 
claim to have any great answers of, of how that is true, except to say, first of all, God is outside of time. And so, His choosing of us and not choosing of others is made within an eternal perspective of all of history, past, present, and future, as the eternal now. He knows what is right and what is best. And so, somehow in the midst of his eternal perspective, each one of us still has the responsibility to make that choice for ourselves and are held accountable for those choices that we make. But in the grand scheme of it all, God knows and God has planned and God has chosen. Now, if we were worshiping Zeus, or we were worshipping Krishna, or we were worshipping any other deity that we see out there with, with all of the, the corruption that is, that is used to describe them in the, the sacred literature of those religious groups. This whole destiny thing would get pretty scary that there would be a God who would be choosing who gets in and who gets out, who is not included. That would be a scary thing because, because those gods are full of corruption and they make choices that aren't based on any kind of goodness or reality. They do things that are, that are immoral. And it would be scary because there would be no way of determining what that choice is going to be. But Peter's message to us today, his, his description of our, our being chosen by God and others being destined to disobey come out of his perfect goodness. Come out of his impeachable righteousness come out of his limitless love for all the world. And come through his sacrifice that is effective for all the world. John writes, Christ died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And so we can trust that his choice goes right. And this message that, that Peter has for us, that Jesus, before the foundation of the world, was, was chosen to be the cornerstone, the strength that we build our lives on. That's to give us great encouragement in times of difficulty. In the face of persecution, to know that Christ, before the world began, chose us to be his children. 
And I acknowledge that it's sometimes a little bit dangerous saying that God has chosen us when I don't know everybody's heart. But each one of us, as we have responded to the goodness of God, have the confidence that we have been chosen by Him. So what, I think it also helps us to look a little bit more closely at, at that word, disobey, as it's translated here in, in the English Standard Version in verse 8. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to. When you look at the Greek word, there are a couple of, of ways that you can interpret that particular Greek word that is being used. Um, some possible uh, translations are not allowing oneself to be persuaded, to refuse or withhold belief, to refuse belief and obedience or not to comply with. So this disobedience is a willful refusal to acknowledge the sovereignty and the authority of God in my life and to choose not to believe that and so go my own direction. So this is, this is not just somebody who is trapped in sin and, and and can't help themselves. This is a intentional rejection of the truth of God, of the love of Jesus, of the salvation that is being offered to all. So they disobey. But this same Jesus, this rock, that is causing so many to stumble. This one who because of who he is, they are refusing to believe. St. Jesus is also our strength. The foundation on which we find purpose in life. The cornerstone that holds us in relationship with God. That he is the one who holds us fast as the storms of life are blowing around, as the, the ground beneath us shakes. That he is that cornerstone that holds us This is the, the goodness of God that we have tasted, perfectly personified in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so in the midst of God's sovereign choosing, His perfect election, we are given this option. 
Just like Joshua stood before the people of Israel as they were entering into the land for the first time and saying to them, Choose you this day who you will serve. Each and every one of us has this opportunity to choose. To choose to disbelieve, to reject the message of Jesus Christ, or to respond to him in love and surrender and submission and seeking his transforming work and power to taste the goodness of God in our lives. If you've tasted the goodness of God, we put aside all of those things that would get in the way, that would hold you back, that would destroy others, and revel in the wondrous choosing of our Lord and our God. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you sacrificed yourself for us. That you have made known to us, Father. And that you have given us new life. Lord, I pray for each one today here. That as they are faced with this goodness that you offer each and every one. Would you reaffirm that choosing that you have made in their life? And bring them to the place of surrender and obedience to the message of hope, to the message of transformation. Lord, would we put aside all of those things that would get in the way, that would, that would pull us apart, Lord, that would bring division and conflict here in our midst. Would we look on each other with sincere brotherly love? We could build one another up. We could encourage each other. We can love and support one another in all of the different challenges that each one of us face. Because we, as we walk through this life, that love that exists within this body, would be clear, concise, beautiful testimony that we are children of God. Yeah.